Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Winter is beginning and plenty of birds are making Rhode Island their winter home. Come with us on some of our free year-round walks that are listed on our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. And follow us on Facebook or become a member and stay up to date with our quarterly newsletter, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 710. Sorry about the breaking up voice there a little bit here. One of these January colds. Starting off with something that may draw a bit of skepticism from some Talking Birds listeners. It's that new scientific research indicates that the bite of a bird, a very small bird, has greater force for its body mass than... Tyrannosaurus Rex. Not an actual recording. T-Rex is said to have had a bite force of 57,000 newtons. Sounds like a lot, but scientists say that's just average for a creature with a body mass of about 8 tons. Meanwhile, a Galapagos large ground finch, a little perching bird found exclusively in the Galapagos Islands, has a bite force of 70 newtons. That doesn't sound like a lot by comparison, but it really is. The scientists say that 70 newtons of force in a creature that weighs less than 33 grams means that the bite of the Galapagos large ground finch, pound for pound, is not just more powerful than that of T. rex, but about 320 times more powerful. In fact, this little finch was found to have the most powerful bite in relation to its body size. Of all the animals tested in the study, which included 434 birds, mammals, and reptiles. As is expected, this species takes the biggest and thickest shelled seeds of all the Darwin's finches. And since that big, heavy bill is less nimble, their songs are a little slower in tempo than those of smaller billed ground finches. That large bill can't open and close quickly enough to create the nuances necessary for a fast-tempo song. It sounds kind of like this. Our friend David Clapp, who was on the show with us here last Sunday, is heading for the Galapagos Islands this week. He'll no doubt see some of these large ground finches. Don't get too close, David. Ouch. By the way, 97% of the land area of the Galapagos Islands is designated as a national park under the government of Ecuador, and after one visit, I'll have to say it's probably as pristine a park as you'll find anywhere on the planet. We wish we could say the same for many of the U.S. national parks, most especially right now when the continuing government shutdown means that parks are being overrun by vandals. Nowhere is that more evident than in Joshua Tree National Park in Southeast California, where because of staff cutbacks forced by the government shutdown, vandals are running wild, destroying the iconic trees, spray-painting rocks, tearing up the landscape with illegal off-roading, even cutting down the Joshua trees to create new roads for them to drive on. 
As if those trees weren't threatened enough already, UC Santa Cruz researchers say that the Joshua trees are at risk of being affected by climate change and that unless the rising temperature trend is reversed, the park could lose most of its Joshua tree habitat by 2100, even without the vandalism. Okay, how about some good news? Good news for threatened and endangered, depending on the location, piping plovers on New York's Long Island. The New York State Office of Parks, Recreation, and Historic Preservation and American Bird Conservancy have announced that a feral cat colony at Jones Beach State Park has been removed and relocated to cat sanctuaries. Structures erected for the cats at the park have also been removed, while officials continue to trap and remove cats found outside the former cat colonies. Meanwhile, signage has been posted throughout the park indicating that the abandonment and feeding of cats is prohibited, with park police actively enforcing the prohibition. How big is the cats killing birds problem? According to the latest research conducted by the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, feral and outdoor pet cats kill somewhere between one and a half and three and a half billion birds per year just in the lower 48 states of the U.S. What we're hearing there is a bird that we would not generally be able to identify by sound, probably, or have a chance to hear it that much, but that is part of our mystery bird contest, that playing of the call of the bird. And this is a little preview of today's contest coming along a little bit later on in this morning's show. Our mystery bird is an alcid, a member of the auk family. In breeding season, it's strikingly black and white. And in winter, its pale gray and white coloration with its flight pattern gives it the nickname Sea Pigeon. It even has red legs and feet like many pigeon species. Our bird, which is found in northern oceans, breeding along the coasts of Canada and Greenland and along the Atlantic coast as far south as the coast of Maine, feeds by diving for fish and crustaceans and such in relatively shallow waters not far from shore. Our bird winters as far south as southern New England. A little preview there of our mystery bird contest. We'll be giving away a beautiful Droll Yankees window mount songbird feeder. Everybody loves these feeders that attach right to your window, giving you an unobstructed close-up view. Bonus prize, a download or online access to the LarkWire app. That would be the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. It's our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later in this morning's show. Some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page uh, this week. Want to see a beautiful photo of a lesser goldfinch? We have one thanks to crack photographer and friend of the show, Patrick Carney. Would you like to maybe check out a short video of a barred owl flying back to the forest after being released from a rehab hospital? We have that for you courtesy of the New England Wildlife Center. Hurricane Florence wrecked the homes of endangered red-cockaded woodpeckers. In other birds, foresters helped them rebuild. We'll connect you to that good news story from the Raleigh, North Carolina-based News and Observer newspaper. 
And a little later, we'll also talk with someone who has seen uh, red cockaded woodpeckers very recently. That would be our own Mike O'Connor. And we have a link to our latest newsletter, the Talking Birds newsletter, that is. We call The Trumpeter, and we invite you to check it out on our Facebook page. And we hope you'll subscribe to it. Yes, it is free. And if you don't do Facebook, you can still sign up for our newsletter by clicking the button right at the top of our website homepage. That would be TalkingBirds.com. Meanwhile, as we first announced last week, we're happy to say that you can now access the latest editions of our show through your smart speaker just by telling your smart speaker to play them. That seems fair. Just say, play the podcast, Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Once again, say to your smart speaker, play the podcast, Ray Brown's Talking Birds, and it will play our latest previously aired show. Don't forget to include the word podcast in your smart speaker command. We have a conservation salute this week, and it goes to a place we happen to have visited just yesterday. This might sound unusual. It was one of the great art museums of the world, the Boston Museum of Fine Arts. To see the new Ansel Adams photography exhibit and some of the other magnificent collections there. The conservation part, though, had nothing to do with pictures or paintings or uh, sculptures, but rather with the museum's New American Cafe. Sitting at the bar there, Now, wait a minute. This was late morning, so we uh, noticed quickly that none of the glasses from which people were drinking beverages had straws in them. When we inquired about this, we were informed that, sure enough, the cafe no longer serves straws, plastic or any other kind. After a few initial complaints about this, we were told customers seemed perfectly happy to wet their whistles without adding to the plastic waste stream. It's true that straws are just the tip of the trash heap when it comes to plastic waste, but they're certainly a part of the 8 million tons of plastic that are finding their way into our oceans every year. Meanwhile, plastic straw bans are going into effect around the U.S. Seattle has become the first major city to ban single-use plastic straws and plastic utensils in all the restaurants in that city. In California, customers will have to request a straw. They'll no longer be provided automatically. And many big companies are planning to stop offering plastic straws, including the Starbucks coffee chain, the giant food service provider Aramark, and American Airlines. So something to be thankful about if you are caring about the planet, as most all of us are. We're also thankful about having new Talking Birds ambassadors joining the family, folks who are Talking Birds listeners who have agreed to let us send them some of our little cards to hand out some, to their friends and associates and fellow birders. And our latest thank yous go to Jennifer Barnes from Hebron, Maryland. She says she's only been birding for a year, and she likes the topics here on Talking Birds. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Thank you to Cindy and Richard S. from Brant Rock, Massachusetts, right down the road here from our studios here on the South Shore of the Bay State. So thank you, Cindy and Richard. And thank you to another Massachusetts listener, Laura L. from Marlboro, Massachusetts. Thank you so much, Laura. And by the way, we have to mention this. We need just three more ambassadors to reach the 300 ambassadors mark. 
So we're sending out a special invitation to you, Talking Birds listeners, to help us reach that goal. To do it, just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option uh, versus uh, at the, uh, or via, uh, via, one of those things, the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And still, no G in talking. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. Mike will tell us something about those aforementioned red cockaded woodpeckers. And up next, we'll let a little movie snippet about a big fallout introduce us to today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. There's going to be major fallout in a few hours. Nuclear fallout. Bird fallout. There he is, the great Jack Black, portraying one of three men on a quest to see the biggest number of bird species in a year in North America in the 2011 film The Big Year. When birders flocked to theaters to see Jack Black along with Steve Martin and Owen Wilson in the movie, they noticed a number of inconsistencies, the most egregious of which was probably the sighting of a pink-footed goose in Colorado a state where sightings of the bird had never been recorded. That's had never been recorded. If the film were released now, it would be a different story because a pink-footed goose was seen in Colorado just this past week with confirmed sightings made on January 7th and 8th at Frederick Lake and Recreation Area in Weld County, just north of Denver. The pink-footed goose is a relatively small, short-necked goose with a dark brown head and neck, a small black bill with a pink band near the tip, pink legs, and pink feet. Its breeding grounds are in Greenland, Iceland, northern Norway, and some other parts of Europe, and the birds been sighted, usually with flocks of Canada geese and cackling geese, in northeastern North America, and in Colorado. Last week by expert birders, and in 2011's Big Year by Jack Black. The pink-footed goose, answer Brachyrhynchus. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us. It's our show number 710. If you like our show, we hope you'll tell your friends about it. And we hope you'll check out our website, TalkingBirds.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And that would be at Talking Birds. Meanwhile, coming up next... Uh, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species. And on safari with Nasera safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo. That's Nasera Safari's founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru. And Nasera Safari's provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and gorilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safari's. See their website for details, naserasafaris.com, N-A-S-E-R-A, Nasera Safaris. 
By the way, if you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live, we do the show live from 9.30 to 10 Eastern Time on Sunday mornings. You may think you're unable to enter our Mystery Bird Contest if you're not hearing it live. and Well, that's actually true, but you can hear the show live uh, no matter where you are, just with an Internet connection and some sort of, of a device. Just go to TalkingBirds.com to see how to do it. It's very easy. And by the way, another way uh, we're making our show available, if you'd like to listen to any or even all of our past Talking Birds shows, one way to do it is just to open the podcast app that's built into your iPhone or the Google Podcasts app on your Android phone and just type Talking Birds into the search bar. And then this is our favorite part. You can click subscribe and then you can get alerts about when the next podcast is available just to click away. We've tried this and it actually it actually works. Uh, you can also find Talking Birds on various other podcast providers. If you don't find it in your favorite one, please let us know. What we hear there is some vocalizing and some wing flapping of our mystery bird. And this is our mystery bird contest in which we invite you to call in and win some fabulous prizes by identifying the bird or by taking a guess at it. If nobody else gets the right, nobody does get the right answer, you could still win with your not exactly correct guess. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is an alcid, a member of the auk family. In breeding season, it's strikingly black and white, and in winter... Its pale gray and white coloration, along with its flight pattern, gives it the nickname Sea Pigeon. It even has red legs and feet, like many pigeon species. Our bird, which is found in northern oceans, breeding along the coasts of Canada and Greenland, and along the Atlantic coast as far south as the coast of Maine, feeds by diving for fish and crustaceans and such in relatively shallow waters not far from shore. Our bird winters as far south southern New England. Prizes on our Mystery Bird Contest this morning. That beautiful Droll Yankees window mount songbird feeder with unique songbird and blueberries design and most importantly a clear view of the birds right at your window. It holds a couple of cups of seed or fruit or mealworms. Bonus prize a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. Uh, that would be the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Number to call on our Mystery Bird Contest, 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor about those woodpeckers down south. It's Let's Ask Mike in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Cliff Holly, and I'm calling from Sacramento, California. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I just think there is not enough 
content out there for folks that love birds, especially radio or podcast content. I think you should become a Talking Birds ambassador because it's a great show and there are people out there that don't know it exists yet and they really should. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Let's see if we can hear the sound, maybe, of a red cockaded woodpecker. Let's check this out here. Let's see if Mike O'Connor finds that a familiar sound. Are you there, Mike? Good morning. Oh, my God. That's exactly what I heard. It sounds a little finchy, doesn't it? That's the agitated call of the red cockaded woodpecker. That's what it did when it saw you, apparently. Uh, you know, I get that a lot. <laughs> Everywhere I go, <laughs> I get the agitated sound. But you were down yeah, in... I, got to, I yeah. got to see this bird. It's one of the few woodpeckers I had, had never seen in North mm-hmm. America. And um, there's a bit of a reason for that, because their population is, oh, is down to just a handful now, maybe a few thousand. Um, apparently, it's about... One percent of the original population of these birds is left because mm. it 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 needs it has very specific you know and this is never good for any species to be fussy and this bird is a little bit fussy it needs to live in old long pine trees or similar trees and they have to be old they have to be big they have to be tall and they have to be alive it's the only woodpecker in the world that requires a live tree to to live into and they also mm. have to have a I think some kind of red tree fungus that softens the wood a little bit. Wow. Not really good at making their own cavities. So when the loggers came in and they cleared it, everything, we, we lost a lot of these woodpeckers, and now we're trying to save them. And it's one of the few birds where if you go to the right place, you've got a good chance of seeing it. You know, a lot of the birds, like we're talking about finches coming down from the north, and you go for a bird walk any time of year, and you never know what you're going to see. Well, this bird never leaves home. It's always in this one these particular areas. Mm-hmm. So I had read, um, I was going to a trade show, and I had read this um, This town was called Southern Pines, which is just south of Raleigh, which I, I figured I'll stop there and see if I can find this bird. And I got a little help from a ranger who, who gave me some instructions, and this is what to look for, which I didn't know going in. You find these trees, but what the birds do when they make their nest, they build a hole, just like a woodpecker, but below the hole, they they tap all these little wells, like a, like a sap sucker might, mm-hmm. but they tap them in such a way that the sap runs all the way down the, the tree, and this prevents snakes from climbing, which is mm-hmm. which is really a good idea. I'm going to remember that next time I'm walking in the woods. <laughs> but with the, the, the kid, that the, the deal is, though, if you see these trees, and it's obvious with the sap running down, you know the birds aren't far away. Um, so I spent spend a couple of hours walking around because even though they're in the area, the park is like a thousand acres. So it took me a while, but I not only found one and I was so excited, but then a second one flew in and it could have been its mate or it could have been a, uh, an offspring. These birds stay together for a long time in a family group. So they were you know, standing on the same tree and squabbling and feeding. And it was, it was, it was pretty exciting, but I think you mentioned that we lost a lot of these birds from the hurricanes, right. and so so what the, the the park service people and the rangers are doing, because it takes so long for these birds to build a nesting cavity, they would go up and actually cut a hole in the tree and insert it like a birdhouse, but only insert it inside the tree, and then kind of put some bark over it and putty it up, and the birds would would use that. It's really a, an interesting bird, and it's more interesting to read about than to uh, see because it doesn't. It's not glamorous like a Lewis's woodpecker or a pileated or even a flicker. It looked just a little bit bigger than a downy, 
and it gets its name red carcated because it just the male has a couple of little red feathers on the near the on the sides of its head that are almost impossible to see. And carcade, it turns out, as I just found out, it's like a decoration on a hat. So there's probably more than you wanted to know about this <laughs> bird. But if you ever get down the southern part of Florida or Georgia or South Carolina. Look, look for these parks where these birds are, and it's kind of a fun bird to track mm-hmm. down. And let's hope that uh, rebuilding for them continues on. I think you said there are only a few thousand left, right? Of these red right, and they're in very specific habitat. Yeah. So, so when the trees get blown down, like we did with Hurricane Michael in the Panhandle, they lost just about all the habitat for these birds. And it's you know that's the trouble when the birds get habitat specific. You know, birds like chickadees and cardinals. They can live just about anywhere, but these guys have evolved to a specific tree, and when then something happens to the trees, they, they struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Thanks for telling us about it, Mike. And next time, we won't ask you to tell us about all the birds you have in your yard. You've got a pretty good collection going yeah, on. Yeah, I know. I came back from the trip, and I put out the feeders again, because I always take them in when I go. And there they were. They were all back, including a ribbon hatch and a, and a hermit thrush. That's pretty exciting for the winter. Yes, it is. We'll talk to you next week, Mike. Sounds great, man. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Back to our mystery bird contest, we're trying to identify this here mystery bird. Clues about the bird. It's an alcid, member of the auk family, strikingly black and white, in winter, uh, pale gray and white in, um, no, that would be in breeding season. Sorry about that. In the winter, it's when it's that kind of pale gray and white that gives it the name or the nickname sea pigeon. Kind of a big clue there. 781-837-4900 is the number for our mystery bird contest. We've been talking about North Carolina this morning. We're going to go to North Carolina, I believe. Are we, are we going somewhere else first, Tim? For our mystery bird contest, we're going to Laura in Charlotte down there. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. Are you excited about we're talking about North Carolina so much today? Yes, and we we have been to see our cockaded woodpeckers, not at the um, Rainus Woods, though. We want to go down there, but we've seen them in the Sand Hills, which is nearby. Sand Hills, okay, not 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 far from there. Well, as Mike said, they're 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 pretty much concentrated in a relatively small area, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's see. We are here on the mystery bird contest. Laura, uh, can you identify our mystery bird? Yes, I believe it's the black guillemot. The black guillemot. Let's see if our audience uh, will concur with that. Yes, apparently they do. The black guillemot, a.k.a. the sea pigeon, as it's sometimes called, because of that winter plumage, is our mystery bird. Nice, nice going there, Laura. Thanks. The sea pigeon. Um, what did I see here? Oh, it does something that probably no actual pigeon can do. It can stay underwater. Are you ready for this? For almost two and a half minutes. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's longer than you can do, Tim, I believe, isn't it? That, that's quite a long Yeah, time. I think so. I haven't timed it in a while. Yeah. yeah. Get back to us uh, on that. I but, will. Uh, all yeah. right. Uh, let's see. Laura, I think we have a little extra time. We could do uh, a bonus question for you this morning, and uh, we'll send you a beautiful prize to be named later from the Talking Birds uh, bonus prize collection, if that would be agreeable uh, to you. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, okay. Ready? Here's the question. This is a, uh, this is a multiple choice. Um, what is a gonidial spot? 
What is a gonidial spot? A, the usually reddish or orange spot on the bill of some birds that chicks peck at to get the parent bird to offer up some food. B, a marking on the chest or belly of a bird, as in the wood thrush, for example. Or C, a gonidial spot is just a place where you would find uh, gonidials. That would be the uh, other possible choice on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what do you say, uh, Laura, A, B, or C? I, I think I'm going to go with A. A, which would be the usually reddish uh, spot or orange on the bill of some birds uh, and uh, and so on, would be uh, your answer. And uh, that is correct. <laughs> nice job. We thought you, we might throw you off with that B option, but you were too smart for that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Laura. Congratulations. And stay in the line. And, and that Tim... If he's not underwater, we'll take your information. Thank you so much. Thank you, Laura. And the uh, mystery bird, in case we lost that in the process, was the Black Guillemot. And we are out of time for our show this week. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com, by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee, birdsandbeans.com, by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors, llbean.com, by Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels, celestron.com, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Winter is beginning, and plenty of birds are making Rhode Island their winter home. Come with us on some of our free year-round walks that are listed on our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. And follow us on Facebook, or become a member and stay up to date with our quarterly newsletter, Ocean State Bird Club. 